Romans chapter number four, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through verses through verse 25 uh, this morning. Uh, toward the end of chapter number three, uh, Paul concludes in verse number 28 that mankind, that is Gentile and Jew, is justified before God only by faith and not by the deeds of the law. And Paul anticipates the Jews not liking this conclusion, right? Uh, he anticipates that they're going to bring up things like, um, well, what about uh, circumcision? What about the law? What about these religious rituals? And so he anticipates this. And therefore, in chapter number four, he begins to illustrate the justification of Abraham and David. Now, the Jews, they knew who those two were, right? Abraham and David, the really legends of the Jewish people. And so Paul spends an entire chapter, chapter number four, um, hammering home the truth that we are justified by faith in Christ alone, amen? Not by our good works, not by uh, our religious rituals, not by keeping the law of Moses. And he uses Abraham as the prime example of a man who believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that's what we've been looking at through chapter number four. And today, Paul is going to conclude his illustration of Abraham by explaining his faith and lets us know that justification is not only for Abraham, but also for us. And so we're going to look at that this morning in Romans chapter four and verse number, starting in verse number 16. The Bible says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. I want to preach this morning on the subject once again, justification is by faith, justification illustrated. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to come and meet with other believers and to worship a holy God. We're thankful for you, God. We're thankful for you sending your son, Jesus, to this earth. Lord, to take our place on the cross. Lord, to conquer death and raising from the dead. God, we're thankful for this doctrine, this truth of justification. That because of our faith in 
Jesus Christ and in him alone, you justify us. You credit your, your son's righteousness to our account. We're thankful for that truth today. God, I pray that as we get into your word this morning, that you would give me the words to say that, Father, you would speak to your people's hearts this morning because that's why we've come to hear from you and to hear from your word. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for what you'll do. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen. The first thing that we want that we see here that Paul um, ends this chapter with is Abraham's faith, number one, was counted for righteousness. Abraham's faith was counted for righteousness. Look at verse number 16. Therefore, it is of faith. What is it of faith? Justification. That it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So what Paul is saying is that justification can only come by faith. Why? So that it may be of by grace, right? So that we can't boast in anything. It's a gift of God. It's not a debt that he owes to us. It is by grace. And because saving faith is trusting in the promises of God, salvation comes to us guaranteed. Paul says here that it is sure, meaning that it's guaranteed to us. Why? Because it relies on God's promise and not on our obedience. That's why it's sure, because it, it relies on him. It is equally available, he says here, to the Jew, those that are of the law, and also to the non-Jew. That's you and I, the Gentiles, those that are only of the faith of Abraham. So then Paul then explains what Abraham's faith looked like. As he closes this illustration of justification, he explains what Abraham's faith looks like. The first thing that we see is that he didn't trust in his own abilities. Abraham did not trust in his own abilities. Look at verse number 19. The Bible says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Right? He was a hundred, almost a hundred years old. And God had promised him descendants way back when he was um, in his 70s, when he was 75 years old, when that promise came to him, right? But he still doesn't have any descendants. And so he's faced with this fact that, I, hey, I'm only getting older, right? I'm not getting any younger. But he was, the Bible says that, and also his wife Sarah, her womb was also dead, meaning it was barren. She could not bear children. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says that we walk by faith and not by sight, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. You see, faith is often opposed to feelings and appearances. Faith is opposed to feelings and appearances. Look at verse number 18. Paul says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Abraham looked at his body and it looked hopeless, didn't it? A hundred years old, having children, that looked hopeless in his, in his eyes. But he didn't go on appearances. And this shows us that faith is not in oneself. 
It is the opposite. Faith begins with a kind of death to self-trust. You see, faith is going on something despite our weaknesses, despite our abilities, despite our feelings or our human perception. And so Abraham died to self-trust and being able to have a child. And what did he do? He placed his faith in God's power for them to have a child. And so he had to say, what Paul is explaining that Abraham's faith was not in himself, right? He didn't focus. He didn't have faith in his own abilities. He had to transfer that faith onto God and his power. But also he had faith in, uh, he didn't trust in his own abilities, but he had faith in God's power. Look at verse number 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You see, despite the human impossibility of this promise being kept because of his old age, what did Abraham do? He gave glory to God. He was fully persuaded that God had the power to give him a child. You see, Abraham considered not his body now dead, and he believed in the power of God that his promise would be fulfilled. He believed that the God who had promised him a child was the God that we read about at the end of verse number 17. And that is the God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You see, we can only imagine what Abraham was going through in this moment of his life. I, we can only imagine the reasoning that he, as he was trying to reason this out. It probably went something like this. If, if there is a creator God, and I, I know that there is, then he must have the power to keep his promise. There's no limit to his power. God, God knows that, 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 that Sarah and I are both old, but he's the one who hung the sun and the moon. He's the one that stretched the stars out like the sand with his, with his hands. And it's ridiculous for me to think that our age presents an obstacle that God has to overcome. I can hear that that reasoning in, in Abraham's mind. You see, faith is thinking about God. It is focusing on facts about Him and then trusting in His omnipotent power. You see, in 2023, we have way more facts about God to focus on than Abraham did, right? To demonstrate um, his, his power, a, a greater demonstration of His love and of His power. We know that God made Sarah's barren womb a place of life, right? In his birth, in, in giving birth to Isaac. We know that. Abraham didn't see that yet. We also know today that, that God raised his own son to life. And so we have much more to go on than Abraham did as we consider who God is and what he is capable of. But Abraham said, hey, listen, I have to stop placing putting my trust in myself and place it on God and in his power, but also he had faith not only in his power, but in his promise. He had faith in his promise. Look at verse number 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to what? According to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And verse number 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. 
but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You see, Abraham believed that God had power to do what he had promised. He believed in the promises of God. Believing in God is not simply thinking about God, but trusting his word. It's trusting in his promises. It is taking God at his word, even when there is nothing else for us to go off of. Even when there is nothing else for us to go on. When feelings, when popular opinion, when common sense seem to contradict his promise. Listen, it is to look at what God has said and let that define the reality for you. To look at what God had promised and let that define the reality for you in your life. And that could go for so many things in life. But in in Abraham's situation, it was this promise of him giving him many nations. You see, the life of faith is not the perfect life. Abraham was not perfect. Abraham doubted God at times, didn't he? The Bible tells us that he laughed at God once because how how could this happen, right? He doubted God at times, but understand that he never stopped clinging on to what God said he would do. He had faith in his power and his promises. You see, this is what the faith of Abraham looks like. And Paul explains, this is what Abraham's faith looks like. And just like with Abraham, the moment that we die to self-trust and we put our trust in God's power and in his promises, you know what? It is credited to us as righteousness. And verse number 22, what does it say? It says, and therefore it, what? What was? His faith. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. You see, Abraham, Paul says that Abraham's faith is what counted as righteousness in his life. Abraham's faith was counted for righteousness. He had faith not in his own abilities, but in the power and in the promises of God. But number two, I want us to see that faith is to be exercised by all. Faith is to be exercised by all. Look at verse number 23. Now it was written... It was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. You see, Paul's teaching is that those wonderful words in Genesis 15, 6, that, that Abraham's, Abraham believed in God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, that those words were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. So what does saving faith look like for us? And Paul goes on to explain that. Number one, our faith must be personal. Our faith must be personal. Look at verse number 24. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Verse number 24 literally says, to whom it shall be imputed. Now, if you study that verb, it has a future reference from the standpoint of the Old Testament. So looking ahead to God's promise as fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thomas Schreiner said this, 
Genesis 15, 6 was written for the sake of those who would in the future be reckoned righteous by faith. You see, in other words, Paul wants us to apply personally the truth of Abraham's being justified by faith. You see, we can, we can see this in the text by the fact that Paul uses the pronoun our, O-U-R, right? He uses it three different times. He says, Jesus, our Lord. He says in verse number 25, our offenses, our justification. And these truths must be ours personally. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, you can never truly say our Lord till you have first said my Lord. Understand today, is Jesus your Lord because you personally have trusted in him for eternal life? You cannot do that for me. I cannot do that for you. Faith, our faith must be personal. And Paul's point is that this chapter about Abraham and his faith is not just a history lesson for us, right? No, we need to apply it personally. You see, the Bible was written so that first we could understand it, yes, but then so that we would apply it. You see, the story of Abraham is not for his sake alone. Has the righteousness of Christ been credited to your account? That's the question today. Has the righteousness of Christ been credited to your account? Because listen, Romans 4 won't do you any good unless by faith you are a true child of Abraham, an heir according to God's promise. You see, have you put your faith in Christ alone? Trusting God to credit Christ's righteousness to your account. Because if you have not done that yet, understand you are not a Christian today. That word is used very, very loosely today. Right? Because a Christian personally believes in Jesus Christ. Our faith must be personal, but also our faith must be in His death for our sins. Our faith must be in his death for our sins. Look at verse number 25. Who was delivered for our offenses. Was delivered is in the passive mood. It means that God delivered Jesus over to death. Jesus, yes, he voluntarily gave himself over to death, right? John, we, we know that according to John 10, verse number 18. But also there's a sense in which the father delivered over the son. And Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, Romans 4.25, the very first part, it relies in substance on Isaiah 53, verse number 12, which says this of the Messiah, of Jesus. He hath poured out his, his soul unto death and was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many. Or as a few verses earlier in Isaiah 53, 6, and the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Or again in Isaiah 53, 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Listen, Peter also mentions 
God's delivering Jesus over to be crucified. In his sermon uh, at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 23, it says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Peter goes on to affirm that God raised him up again. But the point is this, our salvation, our justification, which includes at its center, Jesus's death on the cross was not an unfortunate moment in history. When evil men got the upper hand. You understand that it was, although they were fully responsible for their sin, the crucifixion was God's predetermined plan to give his eternal son to pay the penalty for our sins. Aren't you thankful for that? It was his plan from the very beginning to give his son to pay the penalty for our sins. And a Christian believes that salvation is from the Lord so that it is all to the praise of the glory of his grace. You see, our faith must be personal, but our faith must also be in the death of Christ for our sins. And then lastly, our faith must be in his resurrection for our justification. Look at the end of verse number 25. And was raised again for our justification. You see, Paul emphasizes Jesus's resurrection from the dead twice here in verses 24 and 25. In verse number 24, he says, he that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And then in verse 25, was raised again for our justification. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that the bodily resurrection of Jesus is central to our faith and our forgiveness. You see, and it is based on solid, multiple eyewitness testimonies that the Bible speaks of. He says there in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain and you are still in your sins. If Christ was not raised, then our faith is in vain, right? We still find ourselves in our sins. In Romans 1, 4, Paul says that Jesus was declared the son of God with power. How? By the resurrection from the dead. And so the resurrection, what it does is it puts God's stamp of approval on the death of Jesus as payment in full for the sins of all of those who believe. You see, the phrase Jesus our Lord emphasizes both his deity and also his humanity. Jesus took on human flesh so that he could bear our sin, didn't he? He took on that human flesh, but he did not give up his deity. He is the Lord. And understand, as I said before, we must trust in him as our Lord personally. The phrase raised again for our justification is, is kind of, Difficult to understand because it is parallel with the phrase delivered for our offenses. But the simplest way to understand that phrase is that Jesus was delivered up to death as a consequence of our sin. Jesus was raised as a consequence of our justification. What does that mean? He achieved this by his, his death. In other words, when God raised Jesus he put his seal of approval of Christ's death as obtaining our justification. Murray Harris said this, the resurrection confirms 
that our justification was valid and acceptable to the Father. Amen? The resurrection confirms that our justification was valid and acceptable to the Father. But here's the thing, church. Not everyone is justified. Not everyone is justified. Jesus' death only justifies those who believe on him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Amen? In other words, this truth that God delivered Jesus over to pay for our sins and raised him from the dead to affirm our justification will save you only if you personally believe it. This wonderful doctrine of justification by faith that Paul has spent an entire chapter hammering home was not written as a history lesson about Abraham. It was also written for your sake. It was written for my sake. And God will credit the righteousness of Christ to your account the instant that you believe in him. Listen, Jesus' resurrection from the dead affirms that it is true. Paul says that Abraham's faith in God was counted unto him for righteousness, and that truth is not just for him, but for all of those who believe in Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that today? What a wonderful, wonderful doctrine of justification. It makes a huge difference in the life of a believer, doesn't it? As we, look at this, as we look at this chapter and as justification is illustrated to us in calling Abraham and David as witnesses for his case. Listen, Paul has proved that justification by faith began before circumcision, before the law, before religious rituals, and that it must always be a righteousness credited to those with saving faith. And as Paul has proved this, Paul has also shown that there are several outworkings of being justified by faith. There are things that, that mean so much and things that we have seen in chapter number four that help us as a believer. You see, in chapter number four, we've seen that our righteousness is credited. It is received. It is a gift from God. And knowing that should lead us to give Him glory, to give Him praise. Not for us to boast in anything because it is a gift. It is by grace through faith. Also looking at this wonderful doctrine, we know that we are sinful. Amen? We are all sinful. But we also know that our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we don't have our sins counted against us. Instead, we have righteousness credited to us. And what should that do in the life of a believer? Understand, it should produce joy in our hearts. It should produce security in the life of a believer. Being justified, we also see that we are children of Abraham. Heirs of the promise. By having faith, the faith that he did. And what does that do? It produces a great purpose for us in this life. It helps us to understand why we are here. As believers, why we are here. And being justified, we also see that the promise of eternal inheritance is of grace. It relies on God's promise, keeping power, and not on our performance. Amen for that. 
It relies on him, his promise, his power, not our performance. And what does that do? That enables us to live without fear for the future. Right? I hope you're not fearing the future. Because we know that Jesus is in control. That he has won the war. He he has given us this promise of eternal inheritance. And that enables us to live without fear of the future. And also it enables us to live without despair when we fail. Because we will. We see in chapter number four, there was no hope for Abraham. There was no hope for Abraham and Sarah. They were too old to have children, right? They were too old for this promise to be fulfilled. Except they did have hope in God's promise. And that was all the hope that they needed. And understand today that we have no hope of eternal life, except that God has promised that in Christ, we can be made righteous. And that's all the hope and that's all the promise we need. And I'm thankful today for justification. The person who believes God can face anything and say, hey, I still have God's promises. And that's all I need. And so Paul is telling us here in chapter number four that, hey, faith, that justification is by faith. He gives this wonderful illustration of Abraham. How because he believed in God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. And he ends this this chapter and this wonderful truth by saying, hey, it was not just for Abraham. It is also for your sake. It is also for you. And that justification is available to you if you believe. It has to be a personal faith. It has to be you deciding for yourself what you believe. It has to be a personal faith in the death of Jesus Christ for your sin. It has to be a personal faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ for your justification. You have to make that choice. And once you do, the doctrine of justification, the truth of justification brings a whole new light to your life as a believer. Let's be thankful today for justification, for the truth that Jesus, because of our faith in what he has done for us, He has declared us righteous. He sees us as his son. Be thankful for that truth today.